Georgie Dinkov, how are you, sir? <laughs> All right. Just drinking my Red Bull, yeah. trying not to fall asleep. <laughs> I'm also extremely tired. I had a cab ride from uh, hell I'm getting back here from the market. So for anybody that doesn't know, I live ex- extremely far away from the city now, and it's a big trek to go in there and get milk. It's, uh, I think it took me three hours to go here, to walk down the road, to get to a bus, to take a cab, to go into city and walk to my destination. So, um, yeah. What, what is new in your life, Georgie? Um, I want to say that's there's a lot of new things in my life, but uh, um, uh, what? It, oh, well, I guess uh, on the research side, we are going to start soon offering service of like nail and hair analysis, but not only for minerals, but also for like steroids and other things that we can confirm that we can reliably measure. Um, and it's it should be really cool because like uh, several studies have already come out and said that this can entirely replace tissue measurements, in other words, biopsies, which are extremely painful, as most people know, extremely expensive too. Um, and the other good thing is that basically, even if you take like a, like an actual tissue analysis, like if you sample, uh, take a biopsy from like a muscle, right? It still only tells you like the the the, uh, the amount of steroids there that are there right now. And because the turnover is so fast in, in living tissue, you're basically looking at, uh, you know, the the results would not be that much different from blood in terms of in terms of like um, what time period they span. They'll be more reliable, right? Because you can have like very low estrogen in the blood, but very high in the tissues, right? But it still doesn't tell you the long term picture. Well, with nail, hair, and earwax, recently a study came out. Um, basically, you can um, you can kind of get the same um, like analogous measurement um, similar to um, hemoglobin A one C. HbA1c, which which gives you like the I guess the average value for your blood glucose over the last three to six months, and uh, something similar can be done with earwax, hair, and and nails. So um, we're testing the method right now, see see how well it works. Um, the metals we already tested they work pretty well. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to offer this as a service in the next couple of months. This is crazy. <laughs> when did you decide to do this? I've never heard. This is really surprising to me. So, oh, I mean, uh, remember, like several people asked Ray, like, "Hey, Ray, what do you think about hair analysis?" And he's like, uh, "It's a good idea, but it's probably not very reliable because mm-hmm. people wash their hair with all this." He's like, he said, "Nails will be much more accurate, especially the the like the the toenails of the of the big toe, right?" Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we tested already for metals. Um, and I can send you a sample report. It looks really good. Actually, speaking of which, why don't I send it to you right now and it can maybe show it um, show it on the screen. Uh, how are you going to send it to me exactly? Did, did, you, get, did you get my te- Telegram link, by the way? Nope, I didn't. When did you send it? Okay, never mind. Um, again, guys, sorry for the echo. I tried to buy sound blankets for this room and still will buy them, but I think they're going to take like a month to arrive. And so hopefully I can just talk up really close to this mic. Um, you're going to send it to me via email? <laughs> The British login right now. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us Friday night. Thanks for hanging out. Sincerely appreciate it. And uh, I think I'm going to do a solo show next week, and then Ray will be on the 30th, so the day before the new year. But um, that should be fun. Man, and Google with its stupid multi-factor authentication now. <laughs> I, this is this is horrible. <laughs> I don't even know why these people do that. It's like it, it makes your life progressively more difficult. And if anything is going to make people stop using that service. 
right, let's see. Test zero one. Yeah, that's the sample report. Actually, it's not a sample. It's a real report of a real person. So the, the values are legit. Um, People are saying the echo is not bad. That is incredible. It's horrible to me. So that's really good to hear. Thank you, guys. Sincerely appreciate it. What, um, t so did you just saw an opportunity? So if I send you a toenail or something, what, what is going to be done to that? It will be ground down and then how will that be analyzed? So we have a liquid, liquid chromatography mass spectroscopy, uh, machine, which we started renting from a, one of the large vendors, uh, Thermo Fisher scientific. Um, and basically the team in Bulgaria is doing all the analysis, uh, and they're pretty thrilled, especially about like the steroid analysis and all these other things, because so far, the only studies that are out there is basically analyzing cortisol and mostly in hair, right? Uh, but the WADA labs, the World Anti-Doping Association, they have very advanced capabilities, but they're not accessible to the public where they basically analyze um, hair for, for like um, doping abuse, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For people taking steroids and all kinds of other performance-enhancing drugs. Um, so we will try to do something similar, initially focusing on steroids because I think – we want to dispel a few myths, and we're going to use this for publications as well. First, we're going to test some menopausal women's nails and hair and see if the estrogen is really high, right? And if it's high, I think that that's one of the like the key things that that everybody's been criticizing Ray about. They're like, well, where is the evidence that 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 uh, menopause is actually a condition of excess estrogen? All the studies that are out there are saying it's actually deficient, right? And yes, we've discussed like estrogen sulfate and prolactin. And breast cancer, like estrogen receptor positive, is higher in postmenopausal females, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all circumstantial evidence. If you can show in nails that there's basically sufficient amount or ideally higher than optimal, right, for, for menopausal women, uh, it, I think that basically seals the deal. Um, you know, we will probably get, they will probably drone us. <laughs> Hillary will send its drones or whoever, whoever's in the pharma companies will start calling here and say like, why are we paying you all this money to have all this equipment and all these drones when you allow these, this punk to sit there and basically <laughs> undermine one of our punk. core theories. <laughs> okay. So I didn't know, I guess I just never put together that steroids can be measured in the toenail. I thought that was just like minerals and vitamins and stuff. Everything, oh, everything. Wow. And actually the steroids are particularly interesting because it gives you a long-term assessment of your steroid profile. Long-term, mm -hmm. long-term over, over like at least a month, which I think is, is sufficient. Right. And also, a study came out recently about a year wax, and they're claiming it can do like actually it can represent through three to six months, which is which is huge. Uh, I mean, it's basically the equivalent of that HbA1c that I mentioned, uh, but for many other things. So I, I think medicine eventually will move in that direction, and basically blood tests will become they, will, they wouldn't become obsolete, but they're right now uh, unless you have a really like already established pathology. Um, let's see, uh, nail analysis. Are you still minerals. searching on your email? <laughs> no, no, I found it. I'm uh, just I'm telling you right now. <laughs> minerals attached. Okay. Um, so I've been thinking about this for a long time. It's just we didn't have the, the equipment. Um, and basically, it's interesting from both scientific point of view um, and also as a service, basically, why why should people pay? I mean, they spend tons of money on doing these blood tests. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And first of all, you have to know how to interpret them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, sometimes basically like if you're – so it's the progesterone to estrogen ratio that really matters, not necessarily the absolute values. It's the cortisol to DHA ratio that matters, not necessarily the absolute values. But if you catch – if you do the test at the wrong time, let's say, let's say you're stressed out 
or like your weight, you're relaxed. It doesn't represent your baseline. Um, all of these things, um, basically, uh, you know, the, the, the results are not going to be very reliable. And you're going to be, in order to be reliable, you have to continue doing these tests over and over and over again. And you end up spending, I don't know, a lot of money. Uh, and then you have to aggregate these tests and you still have to interpret them. And we're hoping that with the nail, especially nail analysis, uh, you basically do one test maybe once or twice a year. And that really gives you like your entire uh, hormonal um, profile over the last like six to 12 months. Um, and, um, you know, I think, that, I mean, a lot of people have expressed interest. Um, now, I know G-Ball used to do like a lot Who? of these things, but <laughs> he was doing them only for minerals. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is more than minerals. Oh, also thyroid, right? So we, we can probably prove that having like, a, you know, elevated levels of thyroid hormone or actually having low TSH doesn't always translate to good thyroid function. In other words, if we can show in the cell that there is a deficiency of T3 or there's like a, like a you know, increased levels of reverse T3, and then this is not reflected in the blood tests, then basically, again, the, the tissue slash nail, which is the nail test or hair test, it trumps the blood test. So you, uh, if nothing else, a lot of interesting research will come out of this and and we're going to try to publish. So speaking of which, you'll probably start seeing publications, more publications with my name um, over the next uh, couple of months. I sent you the report, so I don't know if you got it. Uh, I think I did. And then, so... Somebody, well, you have a list of steroids and vitamins and things like that on the, like when somebody sends in the nail for a certain price or what are you thinking? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to, uh, so initially we're going to start with a cortisol to DHEA ratio inside of the cell because mm -hmm. that so far has kind of emerged as like the number one predictive biomarker for all cause mortality. So isn't, it's not, well, because it's a, one of the best predictors for stress, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the post, the post that I've made about, uh, uh, basically, cortisol to DHEA ratio being predictive of uh, your risk for developing PTSD, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Developing psychosis, like how quickly you age, right? All of these things, heart failure, uh, you know. Uh, but it, the studies, studies, uh, study after study have shown that it's so far the best predictive biomarker of all-cause mortality, which to me is that it's a very good, very good biomarker of systemic health. Um, and uh, you can try to do something similar with the cortisol to DHEA sulfate ratio in the blood, but cortisol and DHEA sulfate ratios, they can vary tremendously in a matter of minutes. So again, that, that's that's really where, where like the, the nail analysis shines because it's not that sensitive to, you can have an extremely stressful day, one day of the month or even a few days of the month, but it should balance out like basically if, if it's an anomaly. If it's not an anomaly, then basically it will show up on the nail as basically uh, you know elevated cortisol to DHEA ratio. So we'll start with that, these two hormones, and then we're going to try to expand to estradiol because it's very important to show that estrogen can be high in the cell uh, and be low, uh, you know, uh, low on on, um, on blood tests or, or you know, at the very least not related, not correlated. And then progesterone, and then and then basically uh, the the androgens and aldosterone. And I think that pretty much covers it. It's like uh, you can do these basic hormonal tests in um, vitamin D. Uh, it is hard to to like. Uh, I mean, if just from that, like six, five or six hormones. We can get a pretty good idea of where where you stand metabolically. Um, if this if yeah. this works, you're going to have quite a business on your. If this is more accurate than blood, that would be uh, some. That'd be. I mean, you. We we already know it's more accurate than blood. I'll, I can show you the studies. I mean, basically, people are saying like the 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 groups that are working us are saying, "Why are we bothering with blood again?" And then they they answer their own question. Well, 
there's only three large companies doing these things all over the world. <laughs> That's why, because they will not allow anybody else to talk about anything else. <laughs> Somebody just sent me an email. I think they spent 300 bucks, but it was like the uh, bare bones core list of tests. But I was like, man, that is so expensive. I mean, it's what, what, what kind of tests? Minerals or, or, or other things? Because from, from what I understand, the only thing available commercially so far in terms of steroids, there's only one company out there and it does cortisone here. That's about it. No, I but, it was like the prolactin, parathyroid hormone, total cholesterol, TSH, vitamin D, et cetera. Like things they, like that. They got it done in hair? No, no, no. Just through blood. All through blood. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So, this thing will basically be like, um, I mean, this, this uh, report will probably be basically um, about 150 for the entire thing. Um, and, and then basically for the hormones, it, it really, since we haven't done it yet, it depends on like the preparation because what you have to do is you have to ground the nail for minerals. It's easy because the way it works is you dump the nail or like the hair in an extremely strong acid and it dissolves everything. But the one thing the acid cannot dissolve is minerals, right? So they stay there. So, so you destroy everything else, all the, all, all the organic material. And the only thing that remains is the inorganic. Now. And makes makes the analysis relatively easy, right? So the preparation is relatively easy. However, uh, for the steroids and other things, you can do that because the acid is going to dissolve the steroids as well. So you have to do something else. You basically have to grind the nail or in the hair in extremely fine into extremely fine particles, um, and uh, you can try to do it by hand, which will take a long time. Uh, and it's still, you don't guarantee that the particle size will be uniform. Or you have to either spend a lot of money to buy a so-called sonification grinding machine, which basically uses ultrasound to really pulverize it into very fine powder. And then you have to use solvents to extract whatever is in the nail, right? And then, you know, finally, when you prepare the liquid, then you basically can try to analyze for steroids. Um, but um, we have to test how well the, the extraction process works. We have to test how well the grinding process works. Um, some people may not send enough, like a sufficient uh, um, amount of nail or hair, right? All of these things need to be to be ironed out, but there are plenty of publications on successful analysis of both hair and nail for cortisol, uh, and at least you know one or two publications talking about doing it for many other steroids and listing like referencing the WADA pr process, which is secret. They don't, but it, but it's there, right? So if you're an athlete, um, not only urine, but they'll ask you to basically donate like a, either like a cheek swab or like or a piece of hair. And they will do the analysis, but they test specifically for the um, for like the, the the doping agents. However, many of them are steroids. Um, they, they do test for plain testosterone because it's a doping. They do test for plain DHT because it's also a doping agent. Um, and they test for but they, they test for spironolactone, right? All of like many different things that are steroid in nature. They already have methods for those, so we know it's possible. The question is how easily can it be done by us and and on a relatively. Uh, you know, uh, mass. Well, it's, it's not a massive scale, but scalable. And then, what is the the name of this testing going to be precisely? <laughs> I don't know. You George's always, ultimate you, crystal ball. You, you always know? have these good names cooked up, and you haven't cooked up a name for the testing. Not, yet. not yet, not yet. The crystal ball, the the endocrine <laughs> crystal ball. I don't know, something like that. We'll see. I, I haven't decided. Yet. I don't want to. I don't want to get my my hopes up too high. We know the minerals work. Um, but it, I, I don't, I want to see that the steroids work well, and then I'm going to start thinking about names. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Before we get into articles, is there, you had the article on the forum. It was like, uh, fascism has come to us. Like, yeah. what do you want to mention about that before we move on? 
Well, um, it looks like the government of Austria is starting to back up a little bit um, uh, from its initial promises. Uh, it did look initially because Austria and many European countries have these laws on the books that if you're charged with a fine and you refuse to pay it or even can't pay it, uh, well, I don't know which one is worse. Instead of taking over your property, which is what will happen in the States, right? They'll come and, and, and um, repossess. Um, they in, in, in many European countries, they'll simply throw you in jail. They don't call it jail. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a coercive confinement until you agree to pay your fine. But guess what? You're still in jail. Uh, and now they're saying this option, jailing people for not paying the fine, has been stricken down from the from the proposed law. So they will like the proposal right now is all the unvax will pay up to six hundred euros uh, per per infraction uh, for a maximum of six such fines annually. Uh, but it hasn't been it hasn't been finalized yet. That is the current proposal. Um, and if it, it basically, you know, many people are commenting that for around thirty six hundred euros a year, you'll more or less be buying yourself a little bit of freedom. But it's not a freedom. You'll still be banned from all of the other public places that the vaccinated are allowed to go to. Now, um, the scary part, well, uh, not not so much the scary, but because we've we've expected it. They've already said, and the same thing has been happening in the United States, that they've already told the vaccinated that it looks like you guys will have to take the booster every three months. Otherwise, you'll be just as vaccinated as the fully unvaxxed. So we'll see how this plays out. I think many people up until, um, you know, recently didn't realize that this is going to turn into this nightmare of, you know, here, you have your freedoms. And then now you don't. Now you have them. Now you don't. Um, and you basically keep taking the jab for for as long as they for indefinitely for as long as your life. So we'll see how that goes. I, I think I, I mean there's a storm brewing. The question is how whether the elite is going to try to defuse it by by pretending to capitulating and doing something else, or by doubling down just like they're doing in Australia. I mean, if you seen the news about the the the. Well, I, maybe I should call them concentration camps yeah. in the no, in the northern territories where they basically rounded people up. And there was news today of like a uh, like a youngster, um, two youngsters escaping from one of the quarantine camps, and it was Hispanic. You know, the northern territories is one of the most remote areas in the world. <laughs> if you're going to infect, if you run around there, the, the only chance of infecting somebody is a kangaroo or like a toxic, like a poisonous spider, or I don't know. There's a much bigger chance you're gonna die <laughs> within like a few uh, a few miles of the place where you escape from than actually causing any viral harm to other people. Yeah, this this YouTuber named Really Graceful. She uh, did a good video on uh, Howard Springs, and this girl went there. And people should just listen to her account because it's it's like crazy. She says you feel like you're in prison. You feel like you've done something wrong. And like she couldn't leave her porch. And if she did, it would have been like 5,000 Australian dollars. It was it's literally, and also she didn't even test positive. She had like been with somebody that did test positive. And then she, but throughout the whole process, she never tested positive via, via PCR test. It was literally, literally like ludicrous. And, but they, she just hadn't, she was dead to rights in the whole situation. She couldn't do anything at all. Why don't, why don't you invite her to come and move in and like uh, live with you? <laughs> Uh, she, she looks fine to me. I am in a celibate lifestyle in the middle of uh, the tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mexico well, if desert. If this woman joins you, <laughs> there will be the end of your celibate lifestyle. <laughs> I I am stocking up on napkins and uh, vinegar and things for the apocalypse. So I'm not really thinking about companionship these days. That's that that part of my life is over. <laughs>
Are hey. you buying hamsters to combat the loneliness like, like Ray used to do? <laughs> so there's a dog here, and the my landlord is like, Danny, if you feed that dog, it can be yours. It's named Oreo. But I think it's been severely abused. It 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 acts really off and it will you'll be petting it and it will like really like it, then it will just like freak out and run away and it, or try to bite you, or like, or like squeal. No, it's not violent at all. It's just it will run away really quickly. So I remember what Ray said to that uh, the person with the question, like um, body pleasure for a traumatized dog, but it might slip it some progesterone or T three or something. But anyways, that if I could wrangle that dog, <laughs> I would. I'd really have. GHA something works really well on dogs, <laughs> apparently. Um, I have several people emailing me already, like very old dogs with tumors. Recover completely, and they started becoming really jovial. Uh, of course, don't overdo it because <laughs> it, it, it can have the same, you know, estrogenic effects if you if you give it too much. And last thing here, this is from Reuters uh, routers or Reuters uh, exclusive IMF: ten countries simu- uh, simulate cyber attack on global financial system. <laughs> so this mm-hmm. was uh, on the ninth, which was yesterday, and so I think the only thing to do is to b- maybe pull cash out or something if. Pull cash out, like buy ammo, uh, make sure like whatever, <laughs> well, w- weapons or what, whatever defense mechanisms you have in place that are that are nearby. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I think that at this point they're kind of telling you what, what, the, ne- what the next steps are, you know, um, because the virus narrative is falling apart. Doesn't look like there's going to be any kind of a major war. In fact, I think Russia, China, and the United States are all like just just different faces of global cap. Uh, I mean, look at what's happening. Everybody's introducing masks and mandatory vaccinations. Uh, so it's just to me, it's just theater, right? Or or just various, I guess, various areas of the world are under various levels of control. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think there's any complete independent territory except Africa. Or in other or, or or and or other smaller countries around the world that are just not interesting to the to the global cabal, but that may change very quickly because they like their profit, and if they you know they can get enough profit from the current slaves, they're gonna try to add more slaves to the to the herd. <laughs> they already have all the money, though. They don't they don't need. I think isn't the whole process the whole purpose is to kill everyone. <laughs> I think the whole purpose is to kill all the people that are being owed money, such as the pensioners and everybody else who is basically uh, either a retiree or, in other words, a useless eater. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, according to them, most people are useless eaters, mm-hmm. but I think they still need like a small cohort of maybe the current upper middle class about to become severely impoverished because <laughs> these people still maintain the illusion that they have a chance of breaking through the glass ceiling and joining the elites, which of course will never happen. The only thing that could happen potentially is, I don't know, in very, very, very extremely rare circumstances, they can reach the level of, I don't know, the founders of Robin Hood uh, or maybe like uh, Brin and uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page or maybe even Bezos, right? But even that, that's, you know how extremely unlikely that is. These people like one in a, literally one in a billion. Um, so uh, so I think they still need some people, at least until their uh, general AI comes into being, which they believe is, is going to be soon. Uh, I have seen no evidence <laughs> that this is any closer than it was 100 years ago. Um, and uh, everybody else, yeah, I think the, the plan for everybody else is to go away. Because as it currently stands, once the baby boomers start retiring en masse, and since two-thirds of them don't have any retirement savings, it means they're going to be relying on Social Security almost exclusively, right? Um, there is no other, there's no way you can meet the obligations towards these people 
with the current budget and the current state of the economy. The only way to do it is if you continue printing money, but we've already seen that basically they, they don't the elite doesn't want this to continue because it destroys the um I think they still care about the dollar, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, um, uh, what's his name? The the Fed chairman, uh, Jerome Powell. Yeah. Uh, he basically said he, interest rates will rise, and he did not back down like like he did the last couple of times. Now, of course, there's always a chance he's going to change his mind in the future. Um, but it looks like you know the the party of free money is largely over. Of course, only for the for the plebs. There will always be bailouts for the for the big banks and the big boys, but uh, and the girls. But uh, for the plebs, I think like the party is over. I don't think there'll be any more steamy checks uh, for individuals, or if there are any that are being distributed, it's going to be as part of a UBI, uh, which will come with all the terrible strings attached. Like you, basically, I think the number one will be you'll have to be vaccinated. No vaccine, no UBI for you, um, and things like that. Yeah, they're talking about stakeholder capitalism. So you work for some cryptocurrency by doing good things. Um, do, have you read about that with the World Economic Forum? Yeah, basically they're saying that that uh, everybody will have a bigger stake in the game, or at least ostensibly. And then, yeah, the the, crypt, the crypto, the, the central bank uh, digital currencies are are, are uh, uh, fundamental to this plan. But the thing is, who decides who issues and how much of that central bank they digital do. currency? And it's not <laughs> going to be the plebs. Yeah. Uh, so this whole this whole thing of stakeholder, I think, is comes down to you only get to choose which cause you you get you know you you put your efforts towards. But I don't think you can bargain over like how much you get paid, or basically like how long you work or things. Like that. I think these things will be set for you, which largely removes any kind of a choice, right? I mean, if I tell you, like, okay, yeah, you can choose from five different concentration camps to go, Danny. Uh, look at this massive choice that I've given you. Aren't you ecstatic? Of course, you own nothing. You own nothing, and you'll be happy, right? Uh, so I've given you all this choice. Why are you unhappy? So it's it's not different. There's no such thing as is, is it stake uh, improved stakeholder capitalism. If there ever was, it was probably around the first half of the 20th century when basically the stock market still worked relatively unrigged. And people actually owned through shares with voting power in all of these companies. All of this is largely gone the way uh, of the dodo at this point. Uh, most of the stocks that you are buying these days, they actually that not only they they're not class A shares, so you can't vote. They're also not class B shares, which entitle you to share in the profit. Usually, at least for the big companies like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, etc. But also the nominal share for the nominal value for each one of these shares that you're buying. Is actually like a thousandth of a cent, right? So when you buy a share, what do you actually buy? What do you what do you own? And the answer is nothing except that one thousandth of a cent. That's how much the company is obliged to pay you if you try to redeem that 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 share with the company. So it's a it becomes a Ponzi scheme. In other words, if you buy this piece of paper, the only way you're gonna make money is if people decide to buy more of these shares with absolutely abysmal nominal value in the future so you can sell you can sell yours at a higher price in other words the classic rule of the ponzi scheme you know the early adopters get paid by the uh, you know the subsequent adopters and those get by the paid by the other subsequent adopters and so on and so on until you run out of people at, at which point i think this, the whole thing will collapse and the reason it hasn't collapsed yet is precisely the bailouts so if there are bailouts, if people are given money and these companies are given money, they buy back their shares, which are sold on the open market, which pushes the stock price up. People see this and say, oh, my God, 
this company must be doing tremendously well. Let me buy more. But it's not that the company is doing well. It's that the company was given truly free money, and they're using that to buy back their shares, uh, mostly from the executives, right? Because that's how they cash out. But also from the from the open market. And of course, if the company keeps buying its own shares, then this is going to push the price up. So that's really what most of the stock market is these days. It's basically which company got the most money to buy the biggest amount of shares of its own shares on the market. Very few companies these days are the so-called unicorns. In fact, I don't think a single one of them is a true unicorn. It comes down to how quickly each one of these unicorns managed to get to the point of, of basically too big to fail. Um, and that's that has become a business strategy. You become too big to 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 be removed or or like or to acquire or actually acquisition is not a bad thing, but you you basically become too big to go away, um, and that really is the business model. You may be losing money. You may be you may have been losing money for years. Uh, maybe you have a terrible uh, executive team. Maybe you treat your employees like crap. None of this really matters as long as you are big enough and either they're interested companies in a, a companies interested in acquiring you or you're big enough that the, that the government thinks that. If you go under, things will turn ugly politically, and they're willing to bail you out. That's all there is. Very, 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 very few companies these days produce anything of value, at least the ones that are being traded on the on the uh, you know public stock exchanges. Last thing, and then we can move on. But so the forty five eighteen is from oysters in late two thousand nineteen, and then I checked. I haven't been buying these off Amazon. I was just curious, but I checked again, and it was seventy eight forty nine. And so that, that is, that's a no joke price increase. And then that's the economic recovery for you. Yeah. Why aren't you happy? <laughs> but I mean, this hasn't even really kicked off yet. So I feel like that is, I mean, that's a, that's a brutal price increase. It's and so almost a hundred percent increase. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but iHerb.com still has these, but, but again, every, take everything we say with a grain of salt, but I am buying like a madman right now. Like I, I have six of these boxes come into my house, you know, I, I, I'm definitely worried for the future and I'm trying to get like a, those Berkey filters, the, the fluoride ones and the black uh, ones. And like there's tons of fluoride and arsenic in the water here. And so things that I know I'm going to be using in, well into the future, I'm trying to buy as much of those as possible right now, just because I mean, this if price you look increase. at that, that report that I sent you on the, on the nail analysis, the, mm-hmm. the arsenic levels are high and that person just happens to eat a lot of chicken and rice. Oh, wow. uh, and that kind of confirms it. They were pretty surprised when I said, like, you got to, do you eat a lot of rice? And he said, yeah. How did you know? It's like, I eat that every day. I'm like, well. <laughs> Isn't there low arsenic types of rice? Do you? There may be, but considering that this is a person in Bulgaria and the, the food there, the commercially sold is pretty crappy. I mean, the European Union is basically using the Eastern European countries as as the dump of everything that the, that the Western population would not buy. It's of really crappy quality. It gets dumped on the Eastern European countries. I asked because when I went to the grocery store, I just bought like two things of rice. I don't even remember last. I think the last time I ate rice was in Japan, but I was like, what the hell if it's going to last a long time? But I, I don't, it was like sushi rice. So I don't know if it has arsenic in it. Anyways. There might be a way, I think like the, like the longer you boil it and then like you, when you, when you throw out that water, the, like the, the less arsenic remains in the rice. It really depends how long you, you the, I think the sticky rice has the, like the least amount of arsenic left over. I wonder if the chat knows. This seems like the chat would know this. Okay, somebody's telling me to get strapped. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen in Mexico. To get what? Strapped. Get a gun. What's that? <laughs> oh, okay. Back in heat? 
Okay, moving on here. Uh, okay, what article did you have an affinity for? Uh, I think the one that ruffled quite a few feathers was the last one. The f- uh, fasting stress decimates gonadotropogenesis without changing both cortisol. And that was a pretty surprising finding, too. Because remember how often we talk like, okay, why is fasting bad, right? Because it raises the levels of free fatty acids, suppresses glucose oxidation. Um, then all of these PUFAs that are being stored in your tissues, they get preferentially released. They start destroying your organs, especially thyroid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but many of the fasting people, the proponents of either intermittent or like or long-term fasting, and by the way, this on, this fasting only lasted four days. So yeah, it's not intermittent, but it's actually considered short-term fasting. I remember uh, some of our friends like Jibo and many others Who? claimed to be fasting for months. <laughs> <laughs> and they felt great, which uh, I was going to say, well, why don't you check your blood cortisol? levels? they're probably pretty high and this is mania. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not exactly a sign of good health. Anyway, so uh, long story short, the studies demonstrated that blood cortisol actually did not increase um, during the four-day fast. ACTH did increase, and blood levels of androgens dropped down to next to zero, a decline of 98% of testosterone levels in the blood, just four days of fasting, four days. That's all it takes. And then the more interesting picture was actually in the testicles, in the gonads. So they said, okay, well, what's going on here? How, how can be that the cortisol remains unchanged in blood, but then suddenly like the, the androgen levels are getting decimated? Something must be going on at the gonadal level. So they looked at the testicles, and basically the, the picture there was abysmal. So cortisol levels were through the roof inside of the tissues, inside of the actual gonads, right? Um, and basically uh, the levels of most of the pre- – all the precursors except pregnenolone uh, were, were also – down the drain. And again, the androgens were down to about 5% of what the control levels were. In other words, a 95% reduction. So 98% reduction of androgens in the blood and a 95% reduction of androgens inside of the gonads. So clearly, when you fast, what happens is that at the even though there may not be that much of a change in, inside, in your blood, uh, there's a tremendous change at the, in, inside of the tissues, which is kind of plays into what I'm saying, what I said initially, why I think the nail analysis of steroids will be very coming very handy, because this can only be seen when you do tissue analysis. And basically, uh, fasting, uh, the authors say, is, is, is a form of severe stress, even if it only lasts for four days. And the body prioritizes, as we discussed many times, Basically, the androgens are considered a type of a luxury because they use mostly for reproduction. And when you don't eat, they, the, uh, the, the, the amount of energy you produce drops. And basically, the body interprets this as a stress signal and um, upregulates the tissue levels of the stress hormones because it's preparing to start consuming those tissue levels. Oh, and by the way, the four-day fasting uh, decreased, actually uh, caused atrophy of the actual testicles. They decreased their mass, probably because of the increased uh, cortisol, because they're made mostly of protein and fat. And just like, uh, just as we've discussed before, when, when cortisol rises, even though not in the blood, in the tissues, it starts to destroy that soft tissue. And then, you know, the, these amino acids get, get dumped into the bloodstream, taken to the liver and get converted to glucose. So there you go. Only four days of fasting can can cause a, a an acute and striking hypogonadism striking you're basically getting fully a full decline of of your most important androgens um and uh, they investigated some of the mechanisms through which this happens it turns out that fasting decreases the expression 
uh, in other words, the production, the very production of the enzymes, the side chain cleavage, which synthesizes pregnenolone from cholesterol, and also the enzyme 3 beta hydroxysteroid hydrogenase, which converts pregnenolone to progesterone. So it, de- it decreased those expressions. So you were producing drastically less, uh, like a smaller, l- lesser amount of these enzymes. And then the enzyme that produces cortisol, the 11 beta hydroxysteroid hydrogenase type 1, the expressions did not increase, but the activity increased dramatically. So it, there's some really interesting graphs. I mean, I, maybe I should have posted them in the study, but it's really like if you look at the like the levels like of the different steroids that are in the gonads, you have a left bar for the controls, and you have the, like the right bar for the fasted animals, and for everything except cortisol in the testicles, there were basically the bars for the fasted animals were, were nil. There was nothing there, right? Truly down to zero. Um, and then for cortisol, I think it increased the levels of cortisol. Um, I have a quote there between three to eighteen fold, eighteen fold increase in cortisol. It's nothing, nothing to laugh about. Uh, you know, if you get that that amount of increase of cortisol in your blood, your doctor will immediately decide you have Cushing syndrome and send you for for like an MRI of the pituitary and potentially even like a whole body CT scan because you can have a um, you know uh, ectopic so-called ectopic Cushing syndrome. Could be a, a tumor somewhere else, not not just in your pituitary that's producing either ACTH or cortisol directly. So, 18-fold increase of cortisol is is tremendous, um, and only four days of fasting was sufficient to cause that. But I think a, f- a fasting enjoyer would say, but it was only f- it was four days, so that was way uh-huh. too long. So, so what would you say to the intermittent fasters? <laughs> I will remind them of the other study which I, I should have linked here, where it showed that intermittent fasting in humans. Uh, decimated lean muscle mass while simultaneously increasing fat mass. So the ratio of lean mass to fat mass decreased drastically. It it also destroyed the quality of their sleep. And the lead doctor of the study said, my God, what have I been doing to my patients? I myself have been on intermittent fasting for more than a decade. I'm stopping immediately and, I, and I'll be telling my patients that I don't think intermittent fasting is a good idea. Remember, it's a hum, it was a human study, and I think it was uh, either Stanford, University of San, California, San Francisco. Will, but everybody knows it increases autophagy, though. So, Right, but so does <laughs> consumption of glucose, Danny, <laughs> and trechalose, and fructose, and, and like many other like uh, good sugars. Uh, but uh, I think the, the even, there's even a study that consuming legumes does not, in fact, decreases autophagy. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do one article, then I'll do a little break here. Um, you added a bunch of DHT articles. So, and which- yeah, the one uh, DHT is anti-inflammatory is cortisol, but without the side effects. Um, even though it, it applied specifically to gastric inflammation, I think it was a really good and important article because it demonstrates if you go to a doctor and, and he or she thinks you have some kind of an inflammatory problem, Chances are you you'll be prescribed glu- uh, corticoid steroids. There's mm-hmm. just no no way around. There's no uh, alternative, as they'll as they'll tell you. There's nothing else that acts as quickly and as profoundly as an inflammation blocker as the cortisol, right? As the glucocorticoids. And of course, they're gonna try to downplay all of its known risks, such as yeah, it's gonna destroy your bones, it's gonna destroy your muscles, it may make you insulin resistant, it'll destroy your sleep, right? It'll destroy your cognition, your mood, because it can cause depression pretty reliably and pretty quickly. All of these things may not even get mentioned but if they do it'll be more in, in passing like you're like eh, don't worry about it that's just it's just a short course of corticosteroids right um but more importantly the the message will be given to you is like look we have to weigh the benefits versus the risks and considering that the benefits are great and there is no alternative 
we have no choice but to give you corticosteroids. Now, if you try to talk about pregnenolone, progesterone, DHEA, um, you may get physically assaulted by, by the doctor. Uh, at the very least, he or she will laugh. Um, <clears throat> you may get um, labeled as a crazy person. Uh, and in all likelihood, they'll just say, ah, oh, whatever, it, there's no evidence that these act as anti-inflammatory agents. And this is one of the few studies that shows that not only do androgens, especially DHT, uh, act as anti-inflammatory agents, they're as potent as cortisol and without the side effects. More importantly, uh, the basically the uh, DHT was capable of reversing the fibrosis that occurred as a result of chronic inflammation, while cortisol did not. So DH, DHT not only has the exact same anti-inflammatory effects of cortisol, it goes a step further and actually reverses the already established fibrotic pathology. Glucocorticoids do not do that. Now, I think progesterone would have done the same thing, right? But I like the I, I, I kind of like the study because it contrasts DHT, such a villainous steroid, right? Progesterone at least gets some <laughs> positive press. Well, I, I, it's hard to find anything in mainstream medicine, in like JAMA or, or British Medical Journal, or any doctor really to say, it's hard to find any doctor to say anything positive about DHT. And this study does. And it says that androgens should be considered as an alternative to glucocorticoids, especially in males. So the only thing, the only problem with DHT would be, of course, like in females, it's going to lead to uh, uh, virilizing side effects, such as, uh, you know, the voice will become deeper, body hair, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but for males, you know, given the results, I really see no reason why males should bother with, uh, with, with cortisol. They should ask the doctor for DHT. And the doctor laughs, then maybe they should ask for progesterone or pregnenolone. <laughs> or maybe find a new doctor because... If the if a conversation goes in that direction, uh, the doctor probably already strongly dislikes you and uh, would not be willing to, um, I don't know, help you out. I think that's a ninety nine point nine percent doctors would not give somebody DHT. But okay, what about yeah. you said progesterone is another kind of. Um, Oh, pregnenolone is another one. Um, there's, there's several articles show that pregnenolone directly actually d decreases the expression of the TLR receptors mm -hmm. and their key enablers of inflammation, especially due to endotoxin, right? Mm -hmm. um, also, pregnenolone is now um, tested. There's a human clinical trial for oral pregnenolone as treatment for low back pain, which the clinical trial itself said it's likely due to endotoxin <laughs> or at least activation of TLR4 receptor. So after all of these years saying that, you know, low back pain is idiopathic, uh, is it is of unknown cause, suddenly even mainstream medicine quietly, of course, without much fanfare, says, um, yeah, I think endotoxin is involved, so let's try pregnenolone. Uh, and, of course, the claims continue. Pregnenolone is an inactive steroid precursor. It has no known role other than being a precursor to the other steroids. Well, guess what? It can do a lot more than that. Uh, just like Pfizer, you know, Pfizer is selling, I think he has at least two different SSRI drugs on the market. It's highly serotonergic, right? And then they, you know, quote unquote, treat depression. Of course, they, they don't do any of that, right? But they cause a lot of fibrotic side effects. And behind, the, not behind the scenes, but without much advertisement and fanfare, Pfizer is also now running clinical trials with a serotonin antagonist. Guess why? To give you this to reverse the side effects that the other drugs <laughs> caused. So, so this is really how duplicitous and hypocritical uh, medicine has become. They, uh, you know, they will gaslight you for as long as possible, and when you finally, basically, they cannot avoid the hard conversation anymore, and they have to admit something. They'll say, "Well, why? Well, you know, what's the big deal? We also have the antidote. Yeah, we poisoned you. We also have the antidote. And of course, there's no alternative. Where else? Where are you going to go to? 
uh, this suspicious, seedy-looking Georgie guy, so he can sell you some like steroid wares. This Come Bulgarian on, wizard that don't, created the bioenergetic. Stay with the pros. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna poison you and then cure you. I mean, of course, it's gonna cost you a lot of money, but at least you know you'll be a nice, controlled environment. And if you die, we're gonna write up that you died from COVID nineteen, and we're gonna get even more money from you. <laughs> that is the most insidious part of this whole thing because everybody knows somebody that died allegedly of COVID nineteen. So that they this was like masterful in how they did it because they've that that is like cemented in so many people's mind, uh, minds that this is like a very this is a plague. You know? Yeah. Um, did you see the video? I, I forgot what. Um, vaccine company it was that they said the Omicron variant would be three vaccines. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Pfizer said three vaccines should be, should be sufficient to protect from the, uh, from the Omicron variant. <laughs> and I, I strongly recommend the CEO of Pfizer, in, you know, inserts those needles in his ear. <laughs> and hopefully they reach his brain and, you know, I don't know, cause some kind of a, you know, short circuit or something. Cause <laughs> maybe it will snap him out of his psychopathy. Cause he cannot be that w- much worse than what he is already. This happened in one year from from should pregnant women take the vaccine to you're already on your second and you're or getting your first booster and now another three. This is insane. Yep. And every three months, Fauci just said it, every three months there'll be a booster, m- most likely. Uh, you see, they, 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 they're so, they work in tandem, but they're so, they're so manipulative. Fauci says every three months a booster, they ask Walensky, the CDC chief, what do you think about what Fauci says? Like, ah, we cannot neither confirm nor deny, right? And then like a few weeks down the road, she'll be the one spitting that story. And they'll ask Fauci and he'll play the like the good copy. Like, eh, not so fast. Maybe it won't happen. Of course it'll happen. It's already planned. It's already like decided that it will happen. It's just a matter of like how they can run it through the uh, wheels and, and not get like a, some kind of an activist court. Remember Bush, the Bush presidency? Like all of the judges that try to block some of his uh, secrecy, secret executive orders, he called them activist judges. So I think that's the only thing that's standing, uh, you know, on the way between total control of the elite, uh, or at least like uh, total implementation of their of their um, psychopathic agenda related to the pandemic. <clears throat> on that note, okay, uh, you can follow me on telegram.me slash Danny Roddy. And I have been putting lots of like exclusive stuff on there that I haven't putting, been putting on other social media. Uh, you can, I do coaching on Dan, uh, patreon.com slash Danny Roddy. You can follow Georgie on twitter.com slash hate it. Yeah. Georgie, have you ever thought about making a, uh, telegram channel for all your content? Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, if I get blocked, <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and, uh, oh, well, good news. I was, my account on Reddit was suspended. <laughs> um, and basically people emailed me and said like, and I don't know what I did. I mean, I, I'm, cause I didn't really post much about COVID there, but I did get into several like quote unquote fights with some doctors about like cancer treatment and things like that. And then suddenly without any, any notification, my, 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 my account already got suspended. So, uh, basically like I, I try to use their tool, like they have a contact form where you can ask for explanation or like a review, because I said, look, I didn't. I don't even know why I suspended my account. Like, I don't know if I broke the terms of service or if somebody hacked into my account. And what is for like more than three months, uh, there was no response. So eventually, I filed a lawsuit. Um, and basically, like within an hour of me filing, actually at the local small claims court in DC, I get a I get like a message <laughs> from there from a, a guy who I guess is like an admin or something, and says, "Oh, it was a mistake." Uh, your account at Reddit did not have an email attached to it, 
And during one of our like routine reviews, we basically disable all of all accounts that don't have an email attached to it. So I responded, how how can it how did it not have an email attached to it when I was getting notifications <laughs> since 2005 when I signed up for yeah, that? Yeah, how account. can you how can you even set up a Reddit account without an exactly email? Exactly <laughs> without an email, and I was getting notification for every comment, upvote, downvote, anything that was happening. Despite my attempts to actually disable you idiots notifying me excessively <laughs> and spamming me, but I was getting them to my email account. He did not respond to that, but my account was fully reinstated. Um, and we agreed that I would drop the claim in the small claims court. So, yeah, I mean, uh, if if they if they wanted to, they would could have probably like I don't know, outsued me, outlawed me. Uh, but it looks like even even Reddit doesn't doesn't like being sued. So, um, um, you know, claim, small claims court, you don't need a lawyer. Just go and file a complaint. And if you have a legitimate case, they actually usually know on the spot. And from what I understood from the lady clerk that was there. I was not the only one filing these lawsuits against Reddit and other social media companies. Apparently, people are wising it up and, and doing this on a you know, much more massive scale than I thought. So uh, there's power in numbers. We're not completely powerless. <laughs> we are almost completely powerless. <laughs> and then I do want to talk about Quinone, which I purchased six of at full price. And and you and I are not affiliated in any way, shape or form. Do you want to talk about this this product that I have in my hand? I just decided to release in olive oil um, at basically the same concentration, two milligrams per drop. It's organic olive oil. So it's extra virgin organic olive oil. So it's Evo with an extra O, <laughs> to use Rachel Ray's um, term. <laughs> um, and uh, I, the reason I, two reasons. Number one, um, everybody knows Ray has spoken against using MCT orally, or at least being extremely cautious about it, right? And two, um, one of the few other sources of vitamin K2, MK4 commercial sources is torn, and they, I mean, uh, selling it in, in, in olive oil. And recently they announced that basically they will be fully enforcing all of their vaccine mandates and they will fire anybody who refuses to vaccinate. And that caused a lot of consternation. And people started emailing me and saying, like, dude, if you can come up with basically the same product, right? The same, my, actually, ours has, has more because uh, I think theirs is like a, it's like a milligram 12. per drop. 1200 uh, milligrams per, per bottle, bottle, which is like 70 bucks. So right. you're just 49 for 1500. Yeah, so exactly. It's, so it's more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, those are really were, were, were the two main reasons. And so far, by the way, it seems to sell better than the, um, than the one in SFASers and ethanol. The ones, people who buy the SFA and ethanol version seem to prefer it topically, especially in the naval, famous <laughs> naval route. Um, the ones who buy the, uh, the uh, olive oil version seem to prefer it orally, even though several people have reported it topically works fine. It doesn't irritate their skin. Uh, and, and if they basically add, they don't add vitamin E because some of them asked, I said, don't mix the K and the vitamin E, but some of them mix it with like lanolin uh, from sheep wool. Uh, other people mixed it with like glycerin. Other people mixed it with uh, alcohol and they're all saying like, or even, even by itself because it's olive oil. Uh, seems to absorb uh, relatively well through the skin and very uh, apparently very well when rubbed on the gums or or kept under the tongue. Awesome. Thanks for doing that. Uh, for uh, You have it on my skin right now, but I'll probably give it a week or two before I... Um, sometimes it takes me a second to notice something. Okay, so is there anything else that we have to talk about before we move on? Well, uh, I mean, like uh, studies and not or like... Let's, let's come back around to that. So let's talk about... Um, a few more of these articles. 
Big big whichever one you like. Do you want to talk about oh, the, the oral oral allopregnanolone yeah, yeah. coming coming soon to a pharmacy near you? So Pete's idea of using steroids um, and actually really any other almost any other molecule and mixing it with long chain fatty acids and and or a vitamin E um, in order to avoid the first pass metabolism and basically go through the lymphatic system. It seems that now big pharma is all over that method. And they're calling it cutting edge. They've patented like I don't know, like they they may be infringing on, on Pete's patents, but I think they Pete's patents may have expired already because they only last for about fifteen years, and I think he filed his in the nineties. Anyways, long story short, uh, a few months ago, uh, actually last year, FDA approved an oral testosterone product. Uh, the trade name is Jatenzo. Uh, it's really a, a, a testosterone ester, testosterone undecanoate. Um, Basically, testosterone with a uh, eleven carbon uh, long chain fatty acid, a saturated one, present in coconut oil, by the way. Um, and then basically, this thing is when you ingest it um, with or without fat, because of that uh, fatty acid attached to the steroid, it it uh, steers it more towards the lymphatic system, and this way it avoids the it avoids the first pass metabolism. And now you have an oral testosterone product on the market. Uh, and this company um, uh, basically is now saying, oh, look, there is an uh, an allopregnanolone treatment for depression uh, called Zulreso, right? But it, guess what? It's by injection, and it tends to cause excessive sedation. So why can't we copy the Jotenzo people and come up with an allopregnanolone or with an oral allopregnanolone version? And that's they, what it is, the exact same thing that, Pete has been describing for several decades. Uh, they don't use vitamin E, but they still use long-chain fatty acids, uh, triglycerides, and they, they literally mix the allopregnanolone. They don't even dissolve it. And they call this like a cutting-edge patented technology, <laughs> just mixing the steroid with those, probably olive oil, I would have actually peanut oil. Uh, I think that I, I saw some some uh, comments on the forum that basically their, 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 their uh, glyph, their, their cutting-edge glyph technology consists of nothing more than mixing peanut oil and the steroid in a gelatin capsule. <laughs> and they just announced the results from a uh, preclinical trial with humans demonstrating, if you look, click on one of those links, you'll see some nice graphs that basically when people ingest that, but they don't talk about doses, um, compared to ingesting just the pure allopregnanolone, uh, they're basically getting like the, the amount in the blood, um, just click on the other link, uh, the amount in the blood is... Uh, Rises, let's see. Uh, no, actually, the first one. This one should have the graphs unless they remove them. Can you scroll down? There we go. So it, it achieves up to 75 times higher concentrations than than, than consuming just, just the pure allopregnanolone. Uh, and they're hoping that they will be able to get FDA to approve this. And they're saying this should work for not just for mood disorders. But for pretty much any um, neurodegenerative condition as well, they mentioned Parkinson, they mentioned Alzheimer's, they mentioned ALS. So clearly, they think there's a lot of potential in allopregnanolone. The bad news is that if this gets approved, I think FDA will basically—I mean, I'll have to stop selling it for one. And the the, the other bad news is that um, I think that the you know uh, after these two products get approved, I don't think it'll be much longer before a company does the same with pregnenolone progesterone and DHEA and these become basically fully prescription products and FDA bans all other vendors from selling them 
for people who say that this cannot happen because these products are protected, look at what happened to the vitamin B6 isomer, uh, isomer known as pyridoxamine. FDA, it's a naturally occurring isomer of vitamin B6, and basically FDA, after a company did a clinical trial with pyridoxamine and, and demonstrated that it can fix uh, or at least prevent chronic kidney disease, um, they petitioned the FDA, and FDA banned the sale, the over-the-counter sale of pyridoxamine in the United States. So they can they can do whatever they want. And I think, if anything, the last two years should have convinced most of the listeners that the law is dead. <laughs> whatever remains is just some you know glossy veneer. Um, and I think the only reason the powers that be are still still not have not gone full on martial law is that they're concerned that there's sufficient. Uh, no, there are sufficient numbers of, of an armed populace in the United States getting strapped, as the people were saying in the chat, uh, and they're, they they fear uh, you know large scale conflict before they've managed to uh, I don't know get their assets out or whatever it is that that, that they're trying to do these days. Uh, but if you look at all of the most uh, many of the Fortune 500 CEOs, they've retired and they've like left the country. I think Bill Gates is only sticking around because. He wants that vaccine, man. He just wants to vaccinate everybody. But Eric Schmidt, gone. <clears throat> he went to Cyprus. Um, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, retired, gone. I think they have their own private islands. Uh, who else retired? Uh, Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey, um, retired. Or at least quit, right? And um, um, we have like a wave of CEOs that are quitting. Some people say that's because of the uh, Ghislaine or Ghislaine. What's mm -hmm. her name? Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Yeah, Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Now she's going to expose a lot of like you know powerful people. I think she'll get suicided long before, <laughs> long before we get to that point. But um, it, it may be it, it may have something to do, or more more likely, um, all the people with sufficient amount of money they see where this is going, and they're basically like going to wait it wait it out on their private island or like a private I don't know some remote area whatever bunkers they have or like their yachts. A deep underground way. military base. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, military base, yeah. <laughs> uh, did, did you see this paper? It says, by consequence, DHA should be considered as a medication, not simply as a dietary supplement, and should therefore not be freely accessible to the public as it is now. But this whole paper was saying how it increased a person's well-being, and then the author was like, yeah, it should, it should not be available. Yeah, DHA works. <laughs> what is the, what's the FDA thinking of a lot? By the way, there's a law which makes it legal explicitly. Uh, but that law does not prevent the FDA from declaring it a new drug. The only thing, the only reason it's still being sold out is that there is no drug on the market, commercially developed drug on the market, that is FDA approved for a specific condition. As soon as that happens, then the FDA can say yes. But now it was free and over the counter, right? But now because this company, uh, and actually the company can um, explicitly petition the FDA and say, you you have to ban it and pull it out of uh, over-the-counter sales because it's interfering with our sales. That was the the argument that company uh, used, that the one that was making, the, did a clinical trial with pyridoxamine. They called the FDA and said, literally, yes, this is a naturally occurring vitamin. If you don't pull it out of the market or if you don't ban its over-the-counter sales, all this work and all this money we threw into the clinical trial would have been in vain for us. Great benefit to the public because now the public knows they can use vitamin B6 to prevent slash treat kidney disease, but we're a toast. And all these hundreds of millions of dollars that we threw at this, basically we have, we'll have no way of recouping that. And FDA obliged. So if they can ban a naturally occurring vitamin, you better believe it, they'll be able to ban a steroid. 
since I put in the title, do you want to give an elevator elevator pitch for just what causes depression? Like, and how is allopregnenolone even related to that? Uh, well, mostly energetic deficiency in the brain. I mean, uh, like a drop of about 10% of ATP production in the brain is sufficient to cause a depression. I don't really think it should be, it should be, it should be a named condition. You should simply look at depression as the energetic state of your brain. I mean, many people have experienced foul moods like over a couple of days, right? And then they manage to recover. Well, the ones who don't recover are basically in a chronic, uh, energetically deficient state in the brain. T3 is known to cure even like a really severe and treatment-resistant depression. Methylene blue, probably the, the best example, because it has no other mechanism of action known other than improving bioenergetic state. And 15 milligrams, actually 5 milligrams three times daily, were shown in a human study to cure highly treatment-resistant depression, severe depression, in just two weeks. Um, and to me, that, that proves beyond any reasonable doubt that the the, the uh, original causes of depression are bioenergetic. Now, of course, they, there are many peripheral causes that lead to that state. You can have high serotonin. You can have high cortisol. You can have high estrogen. Um, you, have, you can have low thyroid, right? You can have high inflammation. All of these things, uh, each one of them tends to activate the others, right? And, and whether in concert or, or you know, uh, by, on, by themselves, which is very rare, they lead to this state of energetic deficiency. And conversely, anything you can do to uh, reverse, to basically block one or more of these stress mediators, usually leads to, to the improvement of the of the symptomatology. Uh, remember that study that I posted that 80% of people, of mentally ill people, recover on their own if their life conditions improve uh, without any treatment, without seeing a psychiatrist, without seeing a psychologist, and definitely without taking drugs. So... Um, I think it's pretty obvious that if you are depressed, then you're probably oppressed. That is your real problem. <laughs> the depression is just a symptom. Great stuff. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, what? So the oral pregnenolone, we did the, the DHT. What What else do you think? I think the scoliosis, because that maybe like uh, it was, uh, it, it gathered some comments on the forum. Actually, mo I think so far most uh, the, uh, compared to all the other studies, because it's, it's, it's a, it become a, it's a known condition in older people, but now we're seeing an explosion of scoliosis in young adults, and I'm talking actually even in teenagers. We're talking about in even children, but the biggest explosion in these cases has been just as with the colon cancer and the lung cancer cases, which used to be uh, mostly for people over 50. Now we're seeing increase. Actually, all of the increase, uh, recent increase in colon cancer and lung cancer cases is due entirely due, due to the increase. Of those of the rate of these diseases in the younger population, which is people in their 20s and early 30s. Uh, same thing with scoliosis, and basically it's a it's a really um, depending on how severe it is, it's basically a twisting of the spine. I mean, you can have it in the form of the in the shape of the of the letter S, right? Uh, it can go like sideways. I mean, it can go in in, in any of the axes. So you can have basically a person could be a hunchbacked and also with like twisted back. So so. You know, three. You can be have a, basically it's a three-dimensionally twisted spine, um, and if you ask a doctor, they'll tell you they don't know what's causing. It's probably your bad posture. Um, but if 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 any, no doctor will ever tell you that hormones are involved, they'll say it's some kind of a structural thing, like a like a physical cause, such as you know you you're sitting the wrong way on your chair, maybe you're not exercising enough, you know, or like you're lifting weights the wrong way, or something else is going on. But it's definitely a physical cause a material structural cause 
um, um, a gross cause, so to speak, and and hormones are not involved. Well, this uh, study begs begs to disagree, and it's demo- it demonstrates that um, that overwhelmingly people with with uh, moderate to severe scoliosis have very low levels of androgens in the blood, both males and females, and specifically they show that the administration of androgens only corrected the scoliosis in vitro. At least change the change the the health of the of the cells only if 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 the conversion to dihydrotestosterone was able to occur. In other words, administering testosterone and finasteride did not correct the condition. So it was specifically the hydrotestosterone that does something through the activation. I guess they're saying of the androgen receptor, which the effect is again anti-inflammatory. If you look at that sentence, it says androgen might play a protective role in the development of AIS to inhibit IL six induced abnormal chondrocyte development. IL-6 is one of the major inflammatory biomarkers. In fact, there are many drugs on the market that specifically target only IL-6, and they're typically used for treatment of inflammatory slash autoimmune conditions, especially ulcerative colitis, uh, Crohn's Crohn's disease, uh, psoriatic arthritis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. IL-6 inhibitors uh, are are like the bomb currently in terms of like uh, being popular as drugs. Um, and DHT was able to correct uh, this pathology to the point where the the authors are saying that basically the decreased androgen levels in females are a problem. They should be they should be uh, monitored, and it is a problem because most doctors think that as long as a woman is pumped full of estrogen, progesterone, actually not even progesterone, progestin, like a synthetic progestin, everything is peachy, uh, and you know a woman should not have high androgen levels. Well, the study begs to disagree. Apparently, bone health, the energies are important for bone health in both males and females. And dihydrotestosterone, even though it has the reputation of a purely male hormone, just like estrogen has the reputation of a purely female hormone, it, it appears it has roles, vital roles in females as well. Um, and its levels should also be measured and monitored. Wasn't... Uh- Osteoporosis, one of the conditions that Ray said, if you needed a big push in a direction, I think he said, then it would be a DHT might be something to focus on or something to supplement, um, preferably. Yeah, I mean, there's a study, of course, in mice or rats. We discussed on one of the first podcasts we started doing, where basically showed that when you give the rats, like um, they gave them uh, DHEA, right, mm-hmm. and then basically that cured their osteoporosis. They said, oh, that's because DHEA gets converted to uh, to estrogens, right? But then they gave the rats DHEA and an aromatase inhibitor, and it still worked, right? And then they gave the rats DHEA, but they also gave them finasteride, and it kind of worked, but not not nearly as well. Uh, and they basically gave the rats DHEA and an androgen receptor antagonist, flutamide, and it fully blocked the effects. So it's the androgen, the activation of the androgenic field, so to speak, because I don't like the word receptor. It's the, the activation of the entire androgenic cascade inside of the cell that it turns out to be vital for osteoporosis, and both men and women tend to suffer from it. Women in higher numbers. So, considering the fact that uh, you know women tend to produce more estrogen during their childbearing years, um, I mean, I think estrogen's role should be should be investigated. Recently, they found out that despite the fact that aromatase inhibitors actually cause uh, in some people cause joint pain. They're actually highly protective against osteoporosis. So little by little, this this uh, uh, fake house of cards is crumbling. But unfortunately, I think it's too slow, uh, and and people are already so um, so so far down the rabbit hole in terms of being brainwashed. That uh, look, 
if you can't have a normal conversation with a person on the street and, and you can't, you, you're not even allowed to show them counter evidence that there is no pandemic or at least being heavily exaggerated, if they're ready to go for your throat and and slice you with, with a box cutter because you're not wearing a mask, <laughs> then I think story. it's it's completely hopeless case to try to talk to them about steroids and what exactly is causing osteoporosis. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay. Um Man, how long have we been streaming for? Uh, about an hour, sixteen. About an hour. Let's yeah. go fifteen or so, or, or you know, yeah, like six, fifteen or so more minutes. Um, okay, what do you what are you thinking? Let's see. Um, I think the one the um, cancer cells deprive immune sense of energy by devouring the mitochondria. Um, that was kind of like a cool study. So apparently, cancer cells can develop these. Proboskis, almost like 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 a trunk, and and they use them to literally walk away from the primary site of tumor development, and that's how metastasis can happen, right? A cancer cell gets away and gets into the bloodstream and gets circulating around, and when it finds a hospitable place, in other words, another place that is energetically deranged, then it basically like uh, literally latches onto that organ or tissue with its with these trunks, and uh, they're almost like limbs. Um, and, and it sits there and basically starts to divide and grow and form another tumor. And they found out that it, these these tentacles, they call them in the article, are actually also uh, acting literally like trunks. In other words, the, the cancer cell can use them to suck material through those trunks from another cell. Uh, and what they found out is that basically when cancer cells become energetically deficient and they're already in the invasive stage, they basically they can puncture an immune cell with one of with one of those trunks and literally suck the mitochondria out out of the immune cell. So one, it gives energy to the cancer cell and allows it to reproduce. Two, it destroys the it basically kills the immune cell. Um, so so I wonder like okay so this sounds like you know uh, so, like a like a like a one of the stress hormones will be involved because it uh, cancer cells when they're not invasive they don't have these these tentacles. So I looked around, and of course, there is a study out there that says that estrogen and endotoxin uh, actually are key in allowing the, the cancer cells to develop these invadopodia, is what they call them, um, and, and turn into these highly invasive cannibalistic cells that literally walk around and, and eat everything in their path, but selectively. They take only the mitochondria because the mitochondria that contains the biggest amount of RNA slash DNA material which is what the cancer cell needs itself for its anabolic response to grow and divide and you know and conquer literally. Um, so one way to to I guess conversely to decrease the invasiveness of these cells is to block either estradiol um, or or endotoxin or decrease the synthesis of estrogen. And if you remember the study that I posted about two years ago that basically said that if you give an aromatase inhibitor, the immune system decline that occurs with aging is fully reversed. I suspect that you know. I think that's th that study and the and the uh, the the previous one that I posted um, uh, vibe very well because they reinforce each other's findings. So it's estrogen as a stress hormone that converts that causes this uh, degenerative development in cells, like a really a bizarre change in cell that will turn it into a cannibal and and you know literally make it eat its neighbors. Um, was it Broder Barnes that said that in the la uh, when energy is insufficient, basically all signs of coherent life disappear, and you're getting basically these bizarre life forms that don't even understand what they're doing, but if they do anything well, it's to destroy everything around them.
Probably wasn't Barnes. Maybe a uh, Warburg or St. Georgie, maybe. Probably St. Georgie. Yeah, because uh, something about a bizarre, bizarre, uh, the, like the generation of life that turns into a primitive life form that doesn't even know what it's doing. It, there's no cohesion and there's no uh, there's no unification even amongst cancer cells. All they do is devour whatever is in their path, including each other, which is one of the reasons. Uh, it's called necrotic cell death. One of the reasons why people with cancer have elevated levels of the of the biomarker lactate dehydrogenase in the blood. This is actually an intracellular enzyme, and in, you should you should not have too much of it in the blood. In fact, it's a biomarker for like things like meningitis, heart attack, depending on the different because different organs express a different isoform of the enzyme, and their blood test they can distinguish between the different isoforms. It can tell you where it's coming from. But if it's basically overall, if all the isoforms are, are elevated beyond a certain level, uh, basically the only uh, now it's becoming a relatively uh, well-established biomarker of of advancing cancer, uh, and the reason it's happening is because most likely because cancer cells are starting to eat everything around them, and when they suck the mitochondria out of that cell and that cell dies and ruptures, it's spitting out its contents into the bloodstream, and you're seeing um, you know um, elevated levels of LDH. Is the are these the microtubules the matrix? Is that the same thing? Similar, but only cancer cells have them. Or, or at least so far, they haven't been they haven't been seen in uh, in normal cells. Fantastic! Thanks for that, George. <laughs> I wish we should take a caller, but I'm completely not set up for that right now. Um, what else? What uh, what other articles here? Or maybe I should do a little uh, advertisement. <laughs> okay, guys, subscribe to t.me slash Danny Roddy. Um, regularly updating that with content. You can I do coaching on Patreon.com slash Danny Roddy. Uh, you can follow Georgie on twitter.com slash hate it, idealabsdc.com. And Georgie, why don't you tell us about the experiments you're running? Oh, uh, let's see. I'm running so many of them. Uh, currently, a study ongoing with, we're repeating the study with vitamin B1 and B3 on cancer with a higher dose of vitamin B1. Because um, if you remember, I sent you the graph of basically the B1 and B3 stopped the growth of the cancer, but didn't make the tumors disappear. So now I'm increasing the dosage of B1 because it's acting as a carbonic anhydrase inhibitor, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to actually get some of those tumors to to disappear, uh, to have a curative effect, even if it's in, you know only one or two animals. Uh, another study that we will be running soon is with several of the fatty acid oxidation inhibitors that we synthesized, the custom ones, um, that are about 60 to 100 times more uh, more potent than meldonium. So we'll test a few of them. Um, on, on several cancer models, and the one that does the best uh, will probably release as a product. Uh, we have the metoxyharmalan. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. We released that as a product. And there are two other serotonin uh, antagonists that are being developed. We already have a little bit of the sinanserin. Um, I tried it, and several other people tried it. Um, the consensus is that basically um, it, it, it seems to have a very potent antiviral effect. Because several people had what they felt like it was a cold or a flu and immediately stopped it. Uh, but it didn't have like the other effects that that we typically look for in a serotonin antagonist, such as the elevation of mood or like uh, improving digestion and things like that. I think it's, it's a very fairly selective antagonist of the 5-HT2A subreceptor. Um, and that one, I think, is, is, is what contributes to its antiviral effects. But it, it's not sufficient for the for the whole spectrum of anti-serotonin 
um, effects that we typically looking for because it's the 5-HT2C receptor, which is responsible for controlling the synthesis of cortisol. So if you're looking for an antidepressant effect, you have to look at a serotonin antagonist capable of blocking 5-HT2C. Uh, things that are blocking 5-HT2A tend to have an anti-hallucinogenic effects. In other words, they, they can block the hallucinogenic effects of LSD, and they tend to have a, a apparently a, a fairly potent antiviral effect that Chinese are using unofficially sinacerin as treatment for COVID. Uh, um, and basically, that's about it. So it's not, I don't think it's, it's a commercially viable thing. The synthesis is not easy, and the effects seem to be uh, limited to a, uh, to, to uh, you know, taking care of viruses and viral infections. Um, the We're still uh, working on synthesizing the other one, the Russian version of cyproheptin, I guess you can call it. It's called tropoxin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is structurally similar to uh, another serotonin antagonist, which I think was tried clinically in the United States briefly. It's known as tropanserine. So in, uh, both of these uh, drugs have troponin as a, uh, as a uh, component of the molecule. Um, so that one I haven't tried yet. I'm waiting for a shipment and then, uh, I'll let you know how it goes. It's, uh, basically it's supposed to be a non, non-selective serotonin antagonist similar to cyproheptidine, but without its, um, without its sedation properties because it doesn't, doesn't have much activity on the histamine system. Are, are you saying this harmalin is kind of a bust? Like it w- didn't do the things that you thought it would? No, no. Harmalin did. The sinanserate didn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Totally checked out. <laughs> um, okay. And then what else? Uh, what are we doing? Well, we're getting that machine for the analysis of the hair, nails, um, and you know potentially other samples that people will be sending us. Is is that machine for something else, and then you figure out you could use it for both, or is it strictly for measuring the? Steroid? No, it's actually it's a look. It, it, it basically you give it a, a like a like a like a solution, and you tell it what specific substances you you want it to find, and if the, if they're there. Then it gives you a quantitative analysis of how much is of each substance is in there, so it's like a it's like a very it's kind of like a middle of the road like if there's like a bronze, silver, and a gold version of this machine, this is like the like a, the upper range of the bronze. So it's a workhorse, can do a lot of analysis cheaply, but you have to know what you're looking for. The high end of the machine of of this type of machines, you can basically give it an unknown sample and say, give me everything that you find in that sample. Um, so we'll see how this machine goes. We're renting it. If it works well, we may then rent the high-end version, which then we may be able to use to, and to, for analysis such as, um, well, even this one. I can try to analyze some food samples that are being sold here. Let's say like some organic milk. Okay, does it contain silicon dioxide? Does it contain talc? Does it contain titanium dioxide? Because we know these. We know their molar mass. So we can look for those. But if you want to analyze a completely unknown sample, such as I'll give you pregnenolone, a pregnenolone powder will dissolve it, right? And then you know that Ray has opined that there may be some estrogenic metabolites there, right? But we don't, there's so many different types of estrogens that are out there. We don't know exactly what we're looking for. We can t- we can say, okay, check for estradiol. I doubt it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a you know it's it's not a known byproduct of chemical synthesis, um, you know. But there are other ones. There are some uh, pregnenes are usually not estrogenic, right? But there may be some like androstanes that are similar to DHEA, like a like a six hydroxy DHEA. It's actually fairly estrogenic, uh, so it may be some of that because pregnenolone. Uh, when when it's given to bacteria and bacteria are everywhere, when they they tend to metabolize it, 
for their own needs, and some of the things that they spit out as as, as uh, output as a waste are some of these estrogenic these these metabolites of pregnenolone. They have estrogenic effects. So if we're going to be looking for something like that, which is a great, I think it will be a very uh, it will be analysis that will be greatly beneficial to the entire community. That machine cannot do that. That machine can only look for things that you already know that you suspect are there, or at least you know what they look like, and you can tell the machine the binary question: Are they there? Yes or no? And if yes, tell me how much of each is in there. That's amazing. That's uh, that's really yeah. incredible. Yeah. So up. the people that I work with are chemists. Mm-hmm. That's that's their thing. They love working with these machines, and you know they like the, so they synthesize things, right? Uh, but now that are basically like we're starting to interact more. They're getting very interested in the metabolic idea. We're going to start publishing studies, in vivo studies, with several of these things on cancer. All of them <laughs> kind of like designed by me, right? They're only there for like uh, they're for the credentials. But they're very interested, and they're learning, and now other people are joining. They're, they're biologists. They're even We have uh, uh, two or three medical doctors that express interest in joining. So all of these, like uh, uh, the different, the different uh, studies that we'll be doing, this machine can help. So we're going to also try to do maybe some herbal extracts. Um, like basically, there are a lot of things on the market that are being sold that, that are herbal extracts without any confirmation whether they even contain what they claim to contain. So the famous example, the one that many people are interested in, is like the tribulus terrestris, the, uh, the, that, that phytoandrogen, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, unless it contains a specific amount of that steroid protodiosin, uh, a steroidal saponin, um, it probably is not going to have that much of an androgenic effect. So we're going to analyze some extracts um, and see if we can uh, you know, maybe, maybe publish some of that. So yeah, there's a lot of potential uh, and and a lot of opportunity to play with this machine and do some interesting things. Um, it all comes down to how much time I have because, <laughs> like I said, this is just a side activity. I have another job. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about these last two DHT ones and then get out of here. Um, uh, yeah, I think this one is really good because it's one of the few studies, or actually not one of the few, but it matches well with another one which showed that androgens have an anti-aging effect by activating the clotogene. Um, and actually, uh, I think Ray told several people over email, there was this lady whose husband was very, very sick. He had like a chronic kidney disease for years. Uh, and basically, Ray said, suggested that if she can get uh, her hands on, on some DHT, it will help the, the husband, not only mentally, because I think the guy was severely depressed out of this, you know, because of this chronic disease, but also because it will help recover the kidneys. And if you remember, we have a study that showed that DHT on its own helped, and uh, aromatase inhibitor on its own also helped, but the combination of both cured the kidney disease, the kidney failure. And Ray, uh, she showed me that email that he sent to her, and basically he said there that androgens have an anti-aging effect. So it takes some time to sense that effect, but once you use an androgen for a little bit of, let's say, like a, a, a few weeks or a month, then the effects are very long-lasting. And unless you get back into like a hypoestrogenic state, these effects can last for years. So he was basically telling her, look, I think most of the issue is that his kidneys are like uh, prematurely aged for his age. And, and you know, one of the few things that I know to reverse that process is like uh, an androgen. Kidneys are highly responsive to androgens. They express the androgen receptor, I think, uh, more than almost any other tissue except the prostate and the penis in males. Um, so they're they're probably the most androgenically sensitive organ uh, in the body across both sexes. So this study demonstrates that DHT can actually stop the senescence of the insulin-producing beta cells in the pancreas. 
And it's known that with aging over time, the, the amount of insulin that people are able to produce declines. Uh, and basically, they get into a situation of like a, you know, almost like a, they call it a old people diabetes. There are three types of diabetes. There's actually four. But there's like the diabetes type one where the pancreas completely failed in young people. Then you have diabetes type two where you're producing insulin, but it, you're not reacting well to it. It's not enough, right? You're insulin resistant. And then there's a so-called old people diabetes, which it, this is what the study is kind of like, is kind of mimicking. Um, and uh, let me just turn on the light because <laughs> suspicious. Guys, thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate you guys hanging out on Friday night. I'll be doing a Q&A next week, and then I think it's maybe there will be a week off, and then it will be Ray. I can't remember the schedule. But anyways, Ray will be back on the, be back on the 30th. I'll do a Q&A next, uh, next week, and then we sincerely appreciate you guys hanging out on fr Friday night with us. C continue, Georgia. So they demonstrated that DHT can fully stop the, that aging process of the pancreas. And it's one of the most sensitive organs. I mean, even a mild increase in the free fatty acids in the blood can wreak absolute havoc. Uh, and they've demonstrated you can actually make yourself diabetic temporarily by going for a long run. Like, uh, I remember that study that I posted on marathon runners basically having uh, kidney disease, mm -hmm. kidney failure mm -hmm. for a few days after the run. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing actually apparently happens for the pancreas as well. So you're insulin resistant and potentially even diabetic for a few days after running a full marathon. Um, and uh, it's the fatty acids that, that do this damage. But also it's been shown that long-distance runners, despite uh, what they claim they have that good insulin sensitivity, they actually their pancreas is fibrotic. So this, this constant uh, exertion and the uh, onslaught of PUFA into the bloodstream leads to the premature aging of the pancreas. And this study showed that DHT can stop that, and the re the the mechanism through which it worked was it's again anti-inflammatory and anti-fibrotic, which corroborates the other study that is just as anti-inflammatory as cortisol. So just you know all of these studies that for this for this podcast that you see they all, all all kind of reinforce each other, uh, and they're published by different groups. They don't they don't reference they don't quote each other studies, which as we discussed before, it's usually a sign that uh, it's a legit finding. Also, it has a foundation. Oh, and by the way, the the the, um, the the um the dosages that were used here. So DHT worked in any dose, right? But even the, like even in massive doses, it had absolutely no side effects uh, on the cell because there was an in vitro study. So the the highest concentration of DHT they used was a hundred micromoles per liter. So you need about five hundred milligrams <laughs> to get that that kind of concentration inside of the tissues. 500 milligrams is something that will probably make Ray puke. I mean, as you know, like uh, he's told people, like one or two milligrams are probably okay, right? Yeah. Um, like 10, <laughs> he's, he thinks it's extremely unphysiological and 500 is just out of the question. But even at those massive amounts, massive concentration inside of the cell, DHT had no influence, no negative influence on cell viability or the production of insulin. Quite to the contrary, actually. Um, it managed to stop fully the senescence process. Amazing. And uh, outro, Georgie, what, what else is going on in your life? Um, I don't know. Hoping, keeping fingers crossed that they're not going to mandate the vaccine for kids in D.C. Um, and, <laughs> and that they will finally get rid of the masks of, uh, uh, for kids in schools because now D.C. has removed the mandate for masks for, uh, for all other places, but they remain in schools, which to me is terrible because it's the kids that are really suffering. These masks are like a damager. They're, they're breeding. Um, so we'll see what happens, but, uh, two things I hope, I hope schools don't close because of the Omicron variant <laughs> and two, I hope that, you know, 
the mayor comes back to her senses and you know removes this the last vestige of this charade. And I guess the third thing is I'm waiting for the cyber attack on the banking system, which you already showed at the beginning. I'm sure we talked about this, but what about the? I mean, have you talked to your children and said, "Hey, if they try to like, can't kids give their oh, consent yeah. or something to oh, yeah. to get a vaccine?" Yeah. Well, I mean, I've kind of told him in all certain terms. Basically, I said, look, don't be afraid to tell daddy if anybody tries to, like, do something to you at school, especially if they're wearing a white coat, especially if it's a teacher or anybody else. And and they kind of looked at me and said, so what are you going to do, daddy? I'm like, well, I've never used a weapon on another person before, but I don't think I will hesitate. <laughs> and, and in fact, I suspect that hey, I may even have a chance in court. Because this, this mandatory vaccination, especially secret and behind your back, mm-hmm. it may constitute child abuse. And several courts have actually acquitted people that have gone after the, the assailant of their children. And I think one person even killed the, per- the perpetrator and still got acquitted. Um, there was a famous case in, uh, well, of course, Texas, maybe not the best example. <laughs> because they, they fully approve of you shooting anybody who is even stealing your car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I wouldn't go that far, right? But um, there was a famous case. I think the, somebody, somebody's daughter got not uh, was she was sexually assaulted, about to be raped, and basically like somebody showed up, interrupted the whole act, and the person ran away. The dad found out, got his gun, uh, you know, went around the neighborhood, found the guy, shot him to death, and got acquitted. Oh. So, anyways, uh, I think forcefully injecting poison into your dark. children's bodies. <laughs> Uh, constitutes as, you know, equivalent to rape I for me. Want, I don't want this episode to be used at your trial, though, Jordi. So, hey, look, uh, as long as, I mean, I'm telling you directly, I'm considering this self-defense or defending my children. Yeah, but... Uh, um, whether, whether the court agrees or not is a different story, but there's precedent, and yeah. actually it's not just one or two cases. But a normal uh, CNN viewer would think that was insane because everybody knows that vaccines are a thousand percent safe. And no harm so, has so ever. why do they have to go around my back and inject my, my children forcefully and without my knowledge if they're so good for you? You know what somebody I never really uh, thought about this was like, I mean, you you made you make supplements. You understand that process. The manufacturing of billions of vaccines. Like, how did that happen so fast? Like somebody was saying that they were they, ready. <laughs> they already prepared that they worked in the industry and that it was completely implausible that. What was the time span from Project Warp Speed? Was that uh, that was less than a year for, for the the synthesis of how it worked, and then to the production phase was just in, so ridiculous. The production was only two or three months, oh and God. they already had billions of doses yeah, ready. Billions. <laughs> yeah. That uh, yeah. They and must- by the way, keep in mind the, at least the Pfizer vaccine, which was the first one to be released, it's the most sensitive to temperatures. Mm-hmm. So they had billions of vaccines produced and kept. In extremely deep like, underground uh, like delicate conditions, bases. yeah, that can you know, <laughs> in order for you to keep these billions of vaccines in these conditions, I mean, you must have like these special facilities and prepare in advance, probably for years in advance, in order to have all these refrigerators, have them all tested, right, uh, and make sure that they don't spoil, they don't like turn themselves off, and that you know, you know, a sufficient amount of the vaccine remains after a certain amount of time. All of these things must have been done before that. You can't just produce a vaccine and say, oh. We think it's going to do well at negative 20 degrees Celsius, right? And then just basically start distributing and telling everybody that. In order for you to do that, you must have done it probably at least 10 times in the lab, confirmed that it actually works and remains viable, right? This takes years to do. Uh, I don't think they, they did it a few times and said, ah, no worry, yes, 20. And, and these specific temperatures, right? Why exactly 20? Is it 22? 
like negative 22 degrees centigrade, it's not a random number. It was selected. It's obvious that it's being tried and tested. Um, and God knows, you know, how far in advance. So I think Operation Warp Speed was simply transferring the money to the vaccine companies and telling them you have the green light. I think the actual production, the design and the production of a scene happened long, long before that. 22 is probably some weird occult Freemason number that they had to put in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they're all either obsessive compulsive or like, or, or they're all going according to some kind of a numerology. Wasn't um, some of these secret tech texts, weren't they all like, like had these special like uh, fate in numbers, like specific numbers? It was, it was very numerology based. Um, it's like the, there's there's like a eight is like an occult number. It's like a sacred number. Three, I think, is another one. Uh, they have these specific numbers that they that they go by in like in their daily lives. There are many, but I think there's there's several of them that are really key. I'm sure. I mean, I, I go to this website every month. I it, it's not uh, super highbrow advanced uh, dissemination of this stuff, but uh, it. Like they gather all the photos of people with one eye and it's just like an incredible amount of celebrities and things like that. But yeah, they're, they're all whacked out and weird. Uh, remember Wayfair? Uh, oh yeah. The, the child traffic, the, yeah. the, 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 was selling furniture, furniture yeah. guys, subscribe these, on like special, <laughs> special code words, right? Subscribe on team.me. <laughs> if the generative energy podcast gets uh, nuked after this episode, but yeah, just, uh, I mean, obviously this is part of the, the whole thing, the, the weird occult stuff. Anyways. Uh, okay. Is there anything else before we wrap it up here? Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, um, it, it, he said, uh, Murado says eight is Saturn. And obviously they have, they have a obsession with Saturn. Yeah. I, yeah, I think cause I keep seeing eight and basically there's like a section eight and there's like a, apparently like a, like a, like a government, like a, a you know, a black ops assassin squad. They call themselves section eight. There's a movie called basic with John Travolta and, and I think Kristen Nielsen, Watch it when you can. Basically, they talk about there's like a there's like a group of, of course they were the good guys in the movie. They were fighting against the drug dealers, but they were drug dealers themselves, uh, and they were basically they call themselves Section Eight. So Section Eight, there's a there's like an urban legend that there's a there's a there's a like a deep state within the deep state, and they call themselves Section Eight. I did we talk about this? I asked Ray. I was like, what is their obsession with Saturn? And then I was like, does it relate to the? Um so did you ever watch the Symbols of an Alien Sky documentary? Yeah, they said that basically Saturn kind of like passed through, the, like wreak havoc in the solar system, and like Venus used to be part of Earth or something, it, like long time ago, and Saturn like called, crashed into the Earth and like made the Venus and the Earth separate. Yeah, so this um, this graphic, like the biggest part, let me just orient it here, like the biggest part is Saturn, and Sun is in the back of Saturn. And then uh -huh. the, this red thing right here is Mars. And then I think, oh man, am I fucking this up? I think this was Venus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then this one, I'm screwing this up. Anyways, there's a different confirmation of the, the earth back then. And so that's why I was like, right. Are they so obsessed with Saturn? Because they think they, they know some history that most people don't know. But this, um, but I, I mean, if this documentary is right, they've kind of, they kind of nailed it. But anyways, that, that obsession with Saturn is really interesting to me. But, I, but how is this going to help them in the future? Like, are oh. they expecting something similar to like Saturn is, is the controller, the Antichrist that's coming back to Earth, at, you know, after a certain <laughs> amount of time? We're going to have to pass those questions to the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. But it would be, I'm trying to like think of how they initiate some weirdo celebrity that like craves power. And if they if they say something like, 
we can tell you the origins of the planet and like the there used to be Saturn used to be and block out the sun and things like that. That might be compelling or, or something like that to get them to do all their, their weird shit and stuff. But so how know. will they prove this to the, to, to the actual celebrity? I mean, like if I'm hungry power person, I mean, you can just say just about anything, you know, as long as I trust <laughs> you, <laughs> I mean, you can talk about aliens and like in unicorns and I'll probably believe it. I don't know. That's a very good question. I'm sure. I'm sure people they can tell you a story about the origins of the solar system and how Saturn is is like at the, at the you know at the core of it. But what evidence is there? I mean, I guess we have to attend one of those initiation events and see what evidence they present. We'll have to do an eyes wide shut type of thing. Get in, get in on that. <laughs> That's right. Okay, on that note, guys, thank you so much for uh, watching today. Sincerely appreciate it on a Friday night. So I'll be back next week. And then Georgie will join me again with Ray Pete on the 30th. And that will be the last show of the year. And this year has been really fantastic. You know, I think uh, we've done a lot of these shows this year. It's grown. Oh, you're talking about the shows? Because like, yeah, it's been fantastic, man. Oh, dude. <laughs> the full-blown fascism all over the oh, world. Oh, yeah. I was strictly speaking about the growth of the Generative Energy Podcast. <laughs> Not that this year has been fantastic. Far from it. But um, I mean, it's... It's poetic that the podcast grows in popularity as the dis, the disintegration of society. <laughs> it's one of the few therapeutic things remaining probably that people can like, you know, enjoy because everything else coming from through the TV. Have you actually, when was the last time you watched TV? I'm, I'm not saying this to sound cool. I, re, I really have no, I. Maybe, so it was a long time ago, basically. Yeah, I can't recall. I mean, but. I challenge you if you ever watch or if you ever get access to an American TV or like actually, actually not just American. Any TV, just like my, in general. Just my, this is a total lie. My biggest secret that I never tell anybody is that I'm very into MMA. So I do watch all the commercials. I mean, not uh -huh. intentionally. I mute them, but so that I do watch TV. Yeah. Okay. I challenge you to find me anything outside of MMA that is like <laughs> even remotely non-harmful <laughs> for your psyche and, and for your cognition. Um, I haven't been able. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at these shows that are basically cable TV at this point. Unless you're into some like even some of the natural naturalistics of like Nat Geo, mm -hmm. it's become so commercialized and so uh, ad driven and so scripted uh, that it, I mean I kind of I mean I already lost interest. I used to like all of these uh, episodes they had about nature, and they started doing like the Morgan Freeman ones about the universe and how it was going to disappear because the second law of thermodynamics <laughs> ensures that everything dies and collapses. And I'm like, oh, okay. So anyways, okay. uh, challenge you to find me anything interesting, educational, and non-harmful on any channel. If you do, let me know. I'll, I'm going to look immediately. Georgie, thank you so much, as always. My Bulgarian wizard brother, uh, thank you so much. And, okay, so uh, twitter.com slash hate it. You're going to work on doing a telegra uh, Telegram channel and then idlabsdc.com. And you can purchase this, which I paid for a full price. Six bottles, no discount, because I want to support Georgie, and we have no financial relationship. <laughs> and Georgie, so thank you so much for joining me. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out on Friday. I'll do a Q&A next week. And any parting words, Georgie? I mean, I think it's whatever's going to happen, terrible or great with the world, we'll see it over the next six months, probably. The cyber attack, <laughs> the fascism going on in Europe, in, in Australia. So it's either make it or break it. I don't think this can continue any longer. I mean, I think most people, not most people, even people that are pro-COVID 
and pro mandates, even they agree they're like, we this needs to end. And I keep telling them, I don't think it's going to end unless you make it end. <laughs> These people never give up. December 10th, the darkest episode of the Gender of Energy podcast. <laughs> I don't think it's the darkest. It's just telling the truth. And, and the good news is that even the people that are pro-mandate and pro, pro-pandemic, even they're saying like, what's going on? Why is this, isn't this ending? We've jabbed ourselves four or five times. Why isn't this ending? Well, I don't know. Why don't you stop drinking Starbucks and, you know, stop watching your phone <laughs> and look around and then you quickly realize that it's not about a virus. I'm interested in these normies you talk to because I got a, a whiff of that in Thanksgiving and the people I to- talked to thought nothing was happening. Nothing is abnormal. Nothing is going on. It's just like a medical thing. Like not, they didn't sense any kind of uh, looming danger on the horizon or anything. But this was only so two, the massive two inflation. Well, I guess these people are either living in a bubble or somebody else is taking care of their finances or whatnot. I mean, if you live in the world and you have to take care of yourself or somebody and or somebody else, uh, you'll be hard pressed to say that nothing is happening. <laughs> but I think most people are that way. They think that all these things, even that like uh, toned down version that you just said, like what is going on, is like right. too far out of the realm of of most people. Yeah, uh, the ones that are really lulled into complete uh, obedience by by TV and watching their shows, but even those normies, quote unquote, that I'm that I'm talking about, they're like they're starting to see that you know inflation is creeping up, right? Uh, you know, gasoline is expensive. Uh, there's shortages of specific foods in the stores, like especially the more high end ones, uh, like Whole Foods, right? And I mean, these people shop mostly at those stores, and like, and you can hear them, you know, conversing. Um, like, hey, what's going on? There's no milk. There's no meat. Like, they keep cooking the same food at the food bar for the last three months. This has never happened before. So they're noticing that something is happening. I don't think they're making a connection yet. I mean, like, I agree with you that most of them still think it's a, that the virus is a medical thing. But I'm seeing many of the normies starting to get worried about other signs happening at the social level, even though they're not connected to the pandemic. Um, it's hard. I mean, there's so many homeless now in D.C., that when you walk on the street after a certain amount, after a certain time, certain hour, certain areas that used to be relatively safe, at least from attacks by homeless people. I mean, my office is literally uh, like a like a like a street away uh, from a local park called McPherson Square, and now there is like maybe 40, 40 tents there, and I don't know how many, maybe close to a hundred homeless people, and the worst that I've ever seen was maybe back around 2008, 2009 during the financial crisis. Um, maybe about 10, maybe 15 total. And we thought that was bad. Now it looks like a, like a, like a, like a, like a refugee camp. Uh, and it's not just this place, like several other places. So it's hard not to see that. And then of course they, they start, you know, asking each other like, well, what's going on? Where did all, all these homeless people come, uh, come from? And the answer is nowhere. They were here. They just weren't homeless before. Just a lot of these people now that you see, and before when you look at most of the homeless people, it was it was quite obvious that these were people that were homeless for a while, right? They all had like many of them have a drug problem. I mean, they're you know you can see that many of them are not in their right mind. Um, they're older, right? But now you're basically seeing people who look like former like white collar workers who just fell on hard times, and now they're homeless too. So it's hard not to notice that. So the normies are getting anxious. And I think they want this to end, but they're still not connecting it to the pandemic. So maybe a cyber attack on their bank accounts 
or maybe another food shortage or something like that, maybe that will finally be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, that food shortage combined with inflation, like if people went psycho over toilet paper, think of what they're going to do with food or water. Well, yeah, that, expensive what, and also shortage, right? Yeah. So it's not only like you're going to be paying more, but you, you can't even buy the stuff that you want. Yeah. So if that happens, I think that would be a, a wake-up call. That may be, may be why like the, the powers that be are so desperate to prevent that because if you want a large-scale social commotion yeah get like like remove the food and you're going to get another color revolution just but, like uh, in the arab countries but order out of chaos why would they not want that to, why would they not want that to happen <laughs> i personally think they're not ready of like getting their act together and and uh, being protected <laughs> to avoid the the side effects of this commotion i mean it's not only about the elite it's like smaller level smaller uh, like lower levels still elite still billionaires maybe not like you know, like at the cabal level, right? Um, but, you know, they have property, they have businesses, right? I mean, they, they're not ready for the full-scale collapse of society because they're going to lose money. And um, <laughs> these people have influence. They may not be calling all the shots, but they may have local influence. And until they're sufficiently confident that they've taken everything of value and shipped it elsewhere, like a, where it's safer, or converted it to digital currency, whatever else they're doing with their assets, I think those are people who are resisting like the full-blown collapse. Yeah, no doubt that whoever prints the money and controls the currency and, and all that, they 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 probably would love to see a collapse in the United States, full collapse in the United States and and, and Europe. I hope I'm wrong and that you're right. Yes, <laughs> Georgie Dinkov, <laughs> thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it. Again, guys, we have an amazing audience. I've been watching the chat this whole time. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Subscribe on t.me/slash Danny Roddy and maybe on Odyssey or something. Uh, and then I'll be back Q&A next week. Then Ray and Georgie will be back on the 30th. Guys, thank you so much. Have a safe week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Georgie, once again, thank you so much. And we're out. Bye, everyone. Peace. Bye.